So there was turmoil at OpenAI over the last month, which saw the firing and then rehiring of CEO Sam Altman. The chaos raises some questions about the company's future, but there's no question that the tech it's building is worth talking about. Max, are we on the same page here? Oh, I think it's definitely worth talking about, yeah. I'm Thomas Germain, the host of this episode of Quartz Obsession, where we're taking a closer look at the innovations that may someday change our lives. And today I'm talking to Maxwell Zeff from Gizmodo about GPTs. Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. What does the future look like? By melding business acumen and innovative technology, Deloitte can help you build the future only you can imagine. They can help engineer solutions for your business reality today and your vision for tomorrow to get you to a world where you don't just dream it, you build it. See how you can engineer advantage with Deloitte at deloitte.com US slash engineering advantage. So ChatGPT, it's OpenAI's flagship chatbot, right? It's pretty familiar to people at this point. When it launched, ChatGPT was the fastest growing tech platform in history. But there's this whole other thing called GPTs, which are entirely separate. Max, can you explain what GPTs are? What's the difference between a GPT and a chatbot like ChatGPT? So today we're talking about GPTs, not ChatGPT. OpenAI launched its customizable chatbots, GPTs, on November 7th during its first ever developer conference known as Dev Day. And GPTs are really just fine-tuned versions of ChatGPT. They have the same incredibly advanced technology running on the world's most advanced computing systems, but they're designed to help you with specific tasks, such as filing your taxes, helping you figure out different laundry stains, helping you perhaps even build a poster on Canva. They really have a variety of uses, and all of these things you can do simply just by typing questions to a chatbot. You've used GPTs, right? Like, what are some examples of useful GPTs that you've tried? I've used a lot of GPTs. I actually just signed up for ChatGPT Premium like a few weeks ago to really just try some of these out before they're released to the public. And I found that some of them are very useful and some of them are really useless, kind of in the same way that, you know, when people made websites, there was a website for everything and some of them are great and some of them did not need to exist. <laughs> but I think that my favorite ones are Designer GPT where you can create websites just by entering prompts. Like I created an entire website called Gizmodo Bakery by asking this GPT to design a web page for a bakery, rename it Gizmodo Bakery and use blue color themes, and then specify that we make food for robots just to kind of showcase the functionality of it. And it made me a beautiful flushed out website that honestly probably would have taken me hours to do on Squarespace. And I did it in less than a minute. Another one is Canva GPT. You know, OpenAI is partnering with Canva in this early stage to get businesses excited about it. Mm -hmm. You can build social media posts and create posters in the same way. There's also a sous chef GPT where you can take a picture of what's in your fridge and a GPT will literally tell you recipes that you can make just with the things lying around in your fridge. So some of them actually are really interesting and really helpful ways to navigate your life. It's a much different version of ChatGPT in that they have specific uses. And I think that these are going to really take hold with people. So people should think of a GPT as like sort of a custom built AI that's designed for like a very specific 
narrow purpose as opposed to ChatGPT, which is like just a broad thing you can ask any random question to. Exactly. There's really much more specified use cases for these, which has gotten a lot of people excited. I think that people are seeing this as a kind of version of Apple's App Store for iOS. And the way that Sam Altman delivered the GPT store announcement was in a very Steve Jobs way. It kind of felt like we were watching one of those Apple keynotes from back in the day. So people are really excited about the potential of GPTs and really are looking at where does the GPT store go from here? So, I mean, I think it really is akin to, you know, the app store from iOS for this world. So I want to think about that app store for a second, right? Because there's this weird like lords and serfs relationship between Apple and, you know, the millions of people who build apps for the iPhone and for Mac laptops. And they have to play by Apple's rules. Apple takes a cut of all the money that you're making on apps on iPhones. And there's really a lot of power there. If one company takes control of this GPT AI agent ecosystem, how much power does that give them? Like that would be a really good position for OpenAI to be in, right? I mean, that would be huge for them. That's really the goal here. There's so much excitement about AI right now. There's so many people building it. There's so much money going into startups who are building with AI. I think that a big goal of the GPT store is really to direct a lot of that excitement and money and energy through OpenAI's platform here. I mean, it's, it's really a potentially great opportunity for them. I don't think we know exactly what this could shape up to be, because like I said, GPTs are a very new technology. I mean, when people came out with websites and, you know, iPhone applications, people didn't really know what to do with them. But I also think that that's like a telltale sign of an amazing emerging technology is the fact that we don't quite know the full potential of it. I think that that is exactly the position OpenAI wants to be in, and it's a lot of power for them to wield. What's OpenAI's vision of the future here? What are they pitching us? What does it mean for OpenAI to be the next app store? It's a really good question, and I think that this is a hard thing to visualize for people. When we listen to Sam Altman's run-up to presenting GPTs from his keynote, you can kind of get a sense of what his vision was. And I'll read you just a short excerpt of what he said here. Eventually, you'll just ask the computer for what you need, and it'll do all of these tasks for you. These capabilities are often talked about in the AI fields as agents. The upsides of this are going to be tremendous. So when Sam Altman is talking about GPTs here, he's kind of talking about this as a new way to interface with technology in a way where you won't have to go on your computer and build a website. You won't have to build a poster. You won't have to file your taxes. You will simply ask your computer to do it for you. And I think that's really the direction that this is going, where it's a new way to interact with the technology around you. That's kind of fascinating. I, I, I want to come back to that because that's kind of a like a really, you know, high concept here, like a whole new computing platform. B before we get there, who makes these things? You can go out and build a GPT yourself, right? Yeah, so that's part of the beauty about GPTs is that you can build them with no coding, no computer science background whatsoever. And I think that that's really one of the main things that Sam Altman wanted to hit home with this concept was that this is not just something for developers to make. This is something that anyone can make to improve their daily life. That being said, there are a lot of skilled computer developers who are building GPTs. There was a whole industry of making AI agents, so to speak, that would help people with different tasks. And a lot of those have kind of been folded into this GPT store. 
this isn't just a product. They've also made a platform for people to interface with it. Yeah, that's kind of been a weird business phenomenon, right? Like after ChatGPT launched, there were all these companies that were building, I think they called them wrappers. There were like pieces of software that would sit on top of ChatGPT and do specific things. And then OpenAI comes out with this GPT store and kind of put all these companies out of business or like force them to change their business model. What is it going to look like if everyone's building for AI the way that developers are building apps for our phones? You know, I've talked with a lot of people who are building these AI agents. Largely, they are in Silicon Valley where they have startups. They're getting millions of funding from VCs. It was this really exciting time to be building these products. And then OpenAI came out with this pretty hard stance of saying that, you know, we are going to incorporate these kinds of wrappers, these GPTs into our products. I mean, this is going to be like a flagship product for us. And I think that at first there was a fear that this would put a lot of these developers potentially out of business. I mean, this, this is a big company that is really threatening to do a lot of the things that people have built their businesses around. However, I think with the GPT store, what more of these people I've been talking to are saying is that this is a great platform for them to have their AI agents, their AI products to reach the world, really. I'm sure that not many of you have heard of AI agents before, but I think a lot of people have heard of OpenAI and ChatGPT. And that just goes to show that really having this user interface from OpenAI is such an invaluable experience. One thing that I'm always thinking about with AI, right, is there's so much hype. You know, we're constantly hearing about all the ways it's going to change the world. Like maybe we're going to have an apocalypse or something, or maybe it's just going to take our jobs away. Is OpenAI just placing a bet that this is what the future is going to be like? And, you know, who knows? Or does this really seem like the logical evolution of the technology here? I think that GPTs have a very strong potential of really becoming a lasting technology for the world. But I think there's a lot of kinks to be worked out. You have to understand that OpenAI is the hottest company in tech right now. I mean, they have a $90 billion valuation. They set a record, like you said before, for the fastest growing user base. And I actually think they are still growing. A few months ago, they had 100 million monthly active users. Now they have 100 million weekly active users. Wow. Another thing we heard at Dev Day was that 92% of Fortune 500 companies are building on OpenAI's platform. There's a lot of resources and money being pointed at this thing. But I think that this is a key thing to understand about OpenAI right now and about GPTs is that these are not chatbots kind of like that you used back in the day. Like, I don't know, all of those like ones from the 60s Eliza. and 70s. Eliza, exactly. Right. Yeah, chatbots have been around for a long time, right? Like one of the most famous ones is one called Eliza that actually dates back to the 60s where they built this sort of robot therapist that really didn't have very advanced capabilities. You'd ask it a question and then it would kind of parrot back exactly what you said. It sounds like what you're saying is and then just repeat what you said. And people really fell in love with this thing. There's a long history of human beings having these really personal interactions with chatbots. Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. What does the future look like? It's a question that drives progress. And more importantly, how do you get there? It's curiosity, resourcefulness, and bold ideas that can drive us even further than new technology. Because while technology can take you far, human exploration could take you even farther. Deloitte helps businesses build the future only they can imagine 
by melding deep business acumen and innovative technology with a vast team of tech-savvy professionals. Unlock technology as powerful as your vision and push the boundaries of the possible so that you can stay a step ahead with the thinking to help you transform what's next into what's now. Helping you see the extraordinary potential in the seemingly ordinary while blending the possible with the practical is what Deloitte does. See how you can engineer advantage with Deloitte at Deloitte.com slash US slash engineering advantage. Just to be clear here, the technology that's going into GPTs and chat GPT, even though we interact with them as chatbots, they're a lot different from chatbots like Eliza. Quartz actually had a chatbot a long time ago where people could use the chatbot and it would feel like you were talking to a robot that was answering questions from you. And it was amazing. Right. Those old style chatbots were really just systems that were able to identify and categorize what you were saying and then spit out a pre-written script that was written by a human. ChatGPT, on the other hand, is literally generating all of that text fresh every time that you talk to it. It's trained on the internet, but it's very different. There are no humans writing ChatGPT responses. OpenAI really thinks about this more as a future operating system, kind of a lot more like iOS or Android. And there is that potential there for people to build all kinds of use cases with it because of its ability to retrieve data and use tools. So yeah, I do actually buy that this will be a way for people to interface with technology moving forward. But I think that there's a lot of kinks to work out. And, you know, a lot of people have raised valid concerns about GPTs as well. So you mentioned AI becoming an operating system, right? What does that mean if it changes the way that we interact with computers? Like AI is going to be like my mouse and keyboard or something like that? It's really hard to say because this product is so new. I mean, as we're talking about this right now, the GPT store has not really even made it to the public yet. We just got a version of an AI-enabled device with the Humane AI pin. That's a really interesting thing to look at to start. It's not from OpenAI, but the whole premise of it is that you are talking to your device and asking it to do things for you rather than physically tapping and touching and looking into a screen. It's a really interesting concept to think about as just having your technology work for you more than working for your technology. We've heard a lot about AI hallucinating and making things up and like stating misinformation in a really confident tone. Are there any safety concerns here that we should be thinking about with GPTs? Yes, absolutely. You know, one thing I want to make sure people walk away from this podcast with is that we're not there yet. GPTs were just released mere weeks ago. We're not at the stage yet where OpenAI is going to release a product that completely replaces your iPhone or laptop in the next couple of months. And there are a lot of safety concerns that have to be worked out in the meantime. So in the short term, Gizmodo just ran an article today that I wrote about some of the safety concerns of GPTs. And one of those are that any documents or kind of source code that you put into GPTs, you can kind of trick these chatbots into spitting them back out for any user. So it's a really big concern because that proprietary data that they have in them really is a lot of their value. So that's a major hurdle for GPTs working with businesses right now. And I would highly encourage people to look more into that research before they really try to start building with them. But there are also some more long-term kind of concerns with GPTs. Right. 
that have existed for a long time with the AI community. I mean, there, there's a fear out there that if you give a highly advanced artificial intelligence an ultimate goal, that the AI will go to no end to help you achieve that goal. Some people think that if artificial intelligence gets too powerful, then it really could bring down humanity at the cost of the goals it's trying to achieve. And this is kind of an extremist point of view, but it is one that people in the AI community are worried about. People use this very common example of if you were to create an advanced artificial intelligence with the goal of creating paper clips, that one day it would create so many paper clips that it would do so at the cost of humanity. It could bring down human civilization just to make as many paper clips as possible. And it's like an absolutely ridiculous example, but people are worried about, can we turn these off at some point? And that's the fear with GPTs. And we're, we're getting a, such a young infantile version of it now, but it's something that we have to look at the safety guardrails for moving forward. So whether or not we have to worry about paperclip monsters, right? There are some safety concerns with this kind of technology that's short of the apocalypse, right? We hear about all these crazy things that could happen or the you know AI could eliminate the need for human labor, but there are other more realistic and probably more probable issues that could come up. The idea of the GPT is that you've got your own personal AI that's going out and doing things for you, right? Like acting on your behalf. Is anybody talking about what it could be like if we've got this army of robots that are just cruising around the internet doing their own little tasks? Even if it's not going to destroy the world, what could go wrong there? The apocalyptic scenario is kind of a crazy one. There's definitely some more real short term things to worry about with AI. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest ones that I think that is most relevant to businesses and people in their everyday lives is the potential for these GPTs to really take jobs. I mean, I think the fact that you could upload a GPT with, you know, a travel agency's information and all of the up to date information about flights and hotels and car bookings all around the world that could take the jobs of a lot of people at that travel agency. And there are so many hyper-specific use cases in every industry that I think that there is a huge opportunity here for businesses to streamline their workforce, which is kind of business speak for cut jobs right. to replace them with generative AI. I think GPTs present a huge barrier for people. That being said, I think GPTs could also be a great way for people to do more work. If you're able to have it help you write emails, you might be less bogged down by certain tasks if a GPT could help you. But I think that there's a real concern here around it taking jobs. And that's open AI and really the whole tech industry, everyone that's working on AI, like that's their pitch, right? That businesses should adapt AI for their own companies. And you can do that with GPTs if you want to, right? If I own a business, should I go out and build a GPT for myself? I think that the short answer to this is yes, you should be trying to experiment and build GPTs right now. Fortune 500 companies are building with OpenAI's products right now. Mm -hmm. Some of them that they've announced are PwC, Shopify, Square, Klarna, JetBlue, like a lot of big companies, big companies. are definitely building GPTs. You know, there's 2 million developers building these products right now. I think that as a business, you really should be trying to understand this technology before it's commonplace in our world. That being said, there's some real concerns about having sensitive data uploaded onto these GPTs. If you're a business that is trying to get into AI, you have to be careful about what you're uploading onto these chatbots. Mm -hmm. 
And that's going to be a real sticking point. Until OpenAI can figure that out, they're going to have a hard time moving forward. I also wonder if there are any lessons that businesses can take from the era of apps, right? Because that's the vision here. The GPTs are going to be sort of like apps. There was all this pressure on businesses to go out and build an app because that was the thing to do 10 or 15 years ago when the iPhone first became a platform. And the world was flooded with these useless apps that barely did anything at all. All these companies spend all this money and they kind of have to because shareholders are expecting you to go do the next big thing. But it also seems like there was a lot of money just thrown down the toilet here. Can we separate the hype from how much companies should be investing in adopting AI for their own purposes? Like you can, right? But should you? I think the way around that is to really try to identify like useful things that your business can really do with GPTs. You mm. shouldn't just, you know, be uploading your sensitive data onto a GPT just for the sake of having one, because that could go south pretty fast. We've seen some very useless GPTs come out so far. There's one called Not Hot Dog, a reference to the show Silicon Valley, where you can give it a picture and it will tell you if something is a hot dog or not a hot dog. That sounds pretty useful to me. For some cases, yes, for, you know, deciding what to put ketchup on. Yes. But I think that for businesses, you should be familiarizing yourself with this technology. But right now it's early. I wouldn't say that this is, you know, an absolute must do right now. Do you think that Amazon and Meta and Apple should be scared of OpenAI? Like, is it a real big tech contender? Because all those companies, it took them decades to get to where they are now. Yeah, I think that these companies absolutely are scared of OpenAI and their partnership with Microsoft. We saw that Amazon launched Q, which is basically a business-focused version of ChatGPT. It has a lot of similar uses of GPTs. It's kind of Amazon and AWS's version of big business-focused AI agents. I think that everyone in the tech space is looking at OpenAI right now. They are truly the company with all the eyes on right. them. I think everyone should be at least paying attention to what they're doing. So last question here. OpenAI says that its goal, right, the main thing that it's building is something called artificial general intelligence, which is an AI that's as smart or smarter than a human that can handle any task, right? That's what OpenAI says that they're doing. But if they reach that goal, doesn't that make GPTs obsolete? Like if you've got artificial general intelligence, it can do anything. Why would you want a specialized GPT? It's a good question. If one day you can just ask this all-knowing voice in the sky what you should be doing, doesn't that kind of make GPTs useless, right? It's a good point. I think that a potential idea of artificial general intelligence is that it could actually potentially use GPTs is one idea that's kind of been floated out there, that an artificial general intelligence could potentially use other artificial intelligences as part of its tool belt. Hmm. One day you could kind of ask your computer to just build a website for you your artificial general intelligence computer may just go use the designer GPT that we talked about earlier. It's a little bit confusing that goal of artificial general intelligence and what that really means. I think we're a long way away from it for now. A big hurdle to get there is that artificial intelligences, though they have access to everything on the internet right now, a lot of what they're doing is just kind of quickly retrieving things from the internet 
putting them together in a nice sentence format. They don't have the ability to reason like humans do, right. which is a big hurdle that people in AI are, are really not close to figuring out yet. So we've got some time. Well, let's hope it doesn't go from the hot dogs to the paper clips too soon, right? <laughs> Yeah. Well, Max, I appreciate you making the time here. Hopefully, if AI doesn't kill all of us, there's plenty more for us to explore. Absolutely. Happy to talk about this stuff, Thomas. Thanks again. Maxwell's F covers tech and breaking news for Gizmodo. This episode was produced and edited by Freddie Beckley and engineered by Juan Palacios, with additional support from Quartz executive editor Susan Housen and video head Garth Bardsley. Our theme music is by Taka Yasuzawa and Alex Sakura. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you're listening. And tell your friends, if you know someone who uses a GPT, send them this episode right now so they'll know that you know that they didn't write that haiku. Then head to qz.com obsession to sign up for Quartz's weekly obsession email and browse hundreds of interesting backstories. I'm Thomas Germain. Thanks for listening. Today's word on the future? Together. Because the future of business isn't driven by what machines or people do alone, but by all they can achieve together. See how we can help at Deloitte.com slash engineering advantage. What do you think of the episode, ChatGPT? Did we miss anything here? This episode raises important questions about GPTs and encourages critical thinking about their practicality. The conversational format between you and Maxwell is engaging and provides valuable insights on the topic of artificial intelligence. You're not collecting any paperclips, are you? No, I don't collect physical items, including paperclips.